Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Avatar the Podcast. We are your hosts, Aquam Bandit and Booster Greg, and today we're going to be talking about Book 3, Episode 15, The Boiling Rock Part 2, or as we like to call it, Boiling Point. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but before we dive in to the final part of this two-part story arc, we're going to go through some reviews. Yes, the first one comes from, I'm going to assume, a Disturbed fan. Not like a disturbing fan, but a fan of the band Disturbed (laughs) by the name of Get Down With The Thickness. So not only do I appreciate the new metal, early 2000s potential reference, I also appreciate the pun kind of in there. So good job. (laughs) They write, nostalgic feels with a purple heart. I remember being completely obsessed with Avatar at 11. I'm 28 now and finally got my 11-year-old to watch it. And she's become as obsessed as I was. And it's really big bonding moment for us. So much so that we get into in-depth conversations into the lore and quote it all the time. That's rough, buddy, is her favorite phrase. Laugh out loud. Keep up the good work, guys. And another purple heart. (laughs) It's one of my favorite phrases, too. Yeah, that's a really good one. I feel like there's three or four that just stand out throughout all of time. And this is one of them for sure in terms of Mm -hmm. Avatar The Last Airbender. So thank you so much for that five-star review. I'm so glad that you get to kind of relive Avatar The Last Airbender with your daughter. And I'm wondering, I'm very curious to see if Get Down With The Thickness, I'm going to say Professor Doctor, Get Down With The Thickness, the fourth, just going to be very formal with this individual. Mm -hmm. If they kind of had what we had where things are a little bit different, like maybe empathizing more with Iroh than initially, mm-hmm. you know, or the first initial uh, watch through. I'm very curious to see all that. If you want to email us and let us know, I'd be very, very curious. It's avatarthepodcast at gmail.com in case you've forgotten. But yes, thank you so much. I'm glad this is such a nice moment for you and your daughter. So thanks for sharing. And what perfect timing too, because we're reading these three at a time to catch up. And this review just happens to be read right after that episode where we finally get to hear that's rough, buddy. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about that. Good timing, thickness. (laughs) We're friends now, so I can just call them that. I see. Mm. First name basis. Got it. (laughs) Our next review comes from Fire Lord Jackson, who writes... Seven out of five happy Iros. A lot of Iros. That's a lot of Iros. Yep. Amazing podcast. Top of top. This is the best podcast I've listened to in a long time. I love all the research you do and the headcanons. Love from Spotify. Another Spotify. Another Spotify. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you so much. This kind of brings me to a very important note. I must say that it seems to me that Amazing is really taking off. It's it's really catching it's on. Really I think this on. is officially canon. Yep. The canon way of saying amazing yep. in the Avatar the Podcast community. That's right. Ang amazing. So Fire Lord Jackson, I hope you are a more forgiving Fire Lord than Ozai. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you for the seven out of five happy Iros. That is a wonderful ratio of happy Iros. And thank you for reinforcing Ang amazing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. We hope you're having an Ang amazing day. Yes. The last review comes from Kenna1545 and Kenna writes, Love it. I am someone who started watching Avatar The Last Airbender in November of 2020 and have been hooked ever since. I listened to Braving the Elements and I actually prefer this one. Whoa. Yeah. Thank you for making this amazing podcast. Kenna, your check is in the mail. Just kidding. (laughs) 
That's a, a very, very high compliment. It is. And we Thank appreciate you so it. much. We really do. It really means a lot to us when someone who is so new to the show and or so new to Avatar The Last Airbender takes the time to leave a five-star written review and lets us know how much they like the show. Even if by liking the show, it means that in their mind, they like us over another show, which I appreciate. I'm not going to lie. That makes me feel great. Yeah. To be compared to an official Nickelodeon production, like I'll take it. Yeah. Even that, even if someone was like, you know, between your two shows, I think I like Braving the Elements better. That would even be fine with me because that means that we're being put on a pedestal of like an official Nickelodeon. (laughs) Like we're in the same rating scale. It feels good. It feels (laughs) great. Thank you so much, Kenna. It's wonderful. Thank you, everyone who's written in. And we're going to continue to cover these reviews each week until we catch up. We also have some reviews from other countries to cover. Don't worry if you're listening from overseas. We will be getting to your review as well. And if you want your review read on the show, be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. You can also send them to us via email. We've had a couple of those from our Spotify listeners, and we actually got one the other day via Twitter. So thank you overall for writing and telling us what you think about the podcast and for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Again, written review, because if it isn't written, what acorn? (laughs) Greg can't read it. We can't read it. That's right. I wonder sometimes how that became your catchphrase. I don't know. (laughs) I think I just said it enough times that now it's just my guest <laughs> phrase. So I guess so. Write it so we can read it, please. And thank you. All right. Let's dive into part two of The Boiling Rock. This episode was written by Joshua Hamilton and directed by Ethan Spaulding. And we return to The Boiling Rock just as a new group of prisoners is disembarking from the gondola. The group is lined up in front of the warden who greets them in his warden way. Welcome to The Boiling Rock. I'm sure you've all heard the horrible rumors about our little island. Well, I just want to tell you that they don't have to be true as long as you do everything I say. He paces in front of the line of prisoners and stops in front of Hakoda. Look me in the eye when I'm talking to you, the warden tells him. Hakoda refuses and the warden says, oh, you'd rather look at my shoes? Then take a look. He raises his leg and steps on Hakoda's chains, sending the other man to the ground. Quite sprightly. I wasn't expecting that from him. The warden. Right? He must like work out, do some yoga or something. At least yoga, yeah. Like I (laughs) did not like he's because he's kind of hunched over, right? And he looks a little on the older side, which might just be because he pretty much lives as a warden on this prison, I would imagine. It's not the nicest prison. It's no surprise, right? Like we've been there. It's it's the supermax. So it's definitely not kept up well at all because there's little like nooks and crannies where certain prisoners can sneak into and just grow gardens and no one notices. So <laughs> Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. They have weeds growing all yeah. over the place. I mean, obviously, it's not tended to. Right. So, you know, I, I was expecting this guy to just be like shriveled and old and not in the best shape. But in one swift movement, he just takes down Hakoda. So, mm-hmm. shows how much I know. Tough to see. Yeah. The warden goes on to say that he knows exactly who Hakoda is and promises that they'll break his strong will in the prison. Once again, he demands Hakoda looks at him, and the Water Tribe warrior does with a scowl. The warden is satisfied and takes a step away, continuing his speech, but Hakoda catches his foot and sends the warden sprawling to the ground. Sokka stickers from the pack of guards as two other guards rush to the warden's side. The warden commands that the prisoners are taken out of his sight and stalks away. I really like that Hakoda has a reputation already. Right? I don't know when that developed. There's two possible ways as far as I'm concerned. 
when he was first held captive and he was just kind of like being Hakoda and maybe being like a little funny, a little mischievous and just not breaking to the whim of Fire Nation. And that's why they sent him here. Or his reputation was built off of all those years when he was fighting the Fire Nation and word just Mm kind of got around and especially more towards the events of book three when they were disguising themselves as Fire Nation naval officers and Mm -hmm. kind of like getting around that way. I don't know when it started, but I like that it did. And it really kind of adds this extra dimension to the world because so far we're very Team Avatar focused or centric. We Mm -hmm. don't see much outside of the world of the kids, for lack of a better term. So I like that. It was this one line of dialogue. The warden's like, I know who you are. And all of a sudden, the world just explodes even more for us. <laughs> I know. My brain went in a similar direction. And I'm like, Avatar Studios, let's see the adventures of Hakoda and his uh, fleet of Water Tribe ships, please. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would love that. I want to see what he what he got up to while Team Avatar was running around the world or flying around the world, I should say, visiting temples yeah. and learning bending. Like, he probably got into into some scrapes, into some adventures. I would imagine, and this is pure speculation on my point, I would imagine that the content we get out of Avatar Studios will include more of the tertiary characters like Hakoda. I think when this show came out, it was very much marketed as a kid's show and it got deeper and and more into like a lore kind of frame of mind as the show went on because it got that fan base. But I think now that it has the fan base, that really lets the studio expand into more territories, including, but not limited to, stories that are not about kids, maybe about the Mm -hmm. adults, because now all of the kids that watched it when it came out are adults. Yeah, exactly. I'm very curious. And they can afford it. Yeah. They can afford to like deviate from the main storyline. And like you said, explore those secondary and tertiary characters. Yeah. Give us Hakoda stories now. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm reminded of that one scene from Bato of the Water Tribe where Bato's naming these adventures specifically by name. Yeah. And I remember at the time we were both like, um, can we hear these stories? Yes. What did Hakoda get up to? I want to hear it. I want to see it. Yep. I'll even read it. Everyone knows I'm not super much of a reader, but I'll even read it. Just give me mm-hmm. official canon Hakoda stories. Thank you. Later that day, Sokka goes to his father's cell. He slips inside and says, thank goodness you're okay. Thinking he's a guard, Hakoda rises from the floor into a fighting stance and replies, if you take one step closer, you'll see just how okay I am. Sokka takes off his helmet and Hakoda's eyes tear up when he sees his son. The two embrace and Hakoda warns that Sokka should be more careful with that guard outfit on. He almost punched him in the gut. Yeah, I ran into that problem earlier, Sokka admits. Uh, And of course, he's referring to Suki here. Yeah. In my mind, whenever I remember this moment, I always remember Hakoda throwing Sokka against the wall, but he doesn't. I don't know why I do. It's probably because that's what Suki did. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's going into a cell the same way, laid out with the same like panning, the same camera angle. And so your brain was just like, same thing. Every time Sokka enters a cell, he gets thrown against the wall. Every time. That's just what happens. <laughs> It'd be amazing if that happened when he visits Zuko too. He's like, oh, no, ah, oh, God damn it. Every time. <laughs> yep. Elsewhere in the prison, the warden confronts Chit Sang in an interrogation room. When the warden asks if he's comfortable, the prisoner tells him that if he's trying to get him to talk, forget it. He's not a squealer. I only asked if you were comfortable, the warden says. Chit Sang relaxes somewhat and smiles. Well, yeah, actually, I am pretty comfortable. The warden kicks his chair over and Chit Sang falls onto his face. 
Are you still comfortable? The warden asks. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the warden tells Chitsang he knows that he and his cronies are not smart enough to come up with their little escape plan. He's going to tell them who is. I will give him this. The warden is very imposing. Mm -hmm. He is good at being domineering and a little scary mm -hmm. and very authoritative. Mm -hmm. I actually cherished the moment when later he snaps at Azula and sees who it is. And then he falls on the floor yep. into a bow. Because yep. like this whole time, he's just terrorizing the prisoners and throwing people into interrogation rooms and punishing them and all of this. It's nice to see what he had coming. Yeah, for sure. Back in Hakoda's cell, Hakoda tells Sokka that the others from the invasion plan were sent to a prison near the Fire Nation palace. He was sent to Boiling Rock after being singled out as their leader. But before he left, he met some young women who said they knew Sokka. The Oshinama fighters, he says. Close enough. Sokka smiles. You mean the Kyoshi warriors? Sokka tells his father that their leader, Suki, is also being held there and she's going to escape with them. Hakoda puts a hand on his son's shoulder. Good. We'll need all the help we can get. Sokka also catches his father up to speed on Zuko, telling him the Fire Prince is now on their side. Sokka wouldn't have been able to find his father without Zuko's help. Sokka also tells him about their ruined escape plan, and Hakoda replies, Sokka, there's no prison in the world that can hold two Water Tribe geniuses. Sokka says, then we'd better find two. It's so funny. I love that line. Better find two then. <laughs> They're so campy together. I, I love it. Like father, like son. Yeah, they really are just the same sense of humor, which is amazing. When Sokka leaves, he swings by Zuko's cell to let him know that he and his father have come up with an escape plan. Two other guards soon interrupt them and ask what he's doing there. I was just telling this dirty lowlife what I think of him, Sokka says. They let him know that he'll have to do that later because they have orders straight from the warden to take Zuko somewhere. Sokka asks for 10 more seconds to rough him up a bit, and the guards chuckle and agree. Sokka enters the cell and pretends to beat Zuko up while actually telling him the rest of the plan. He tells Zuko to be in the yard in one hour. When the guards enter the cell, Zuko quickly drops his bedroll that Sokka had been punching, and Sokka puts him in a stranglehold until the guards break them up. I love that it's like classic new guy. All right, man, you can get 10 more seconds, but no more than that. <laughs> Yeah, go tucker yourself out. Try hard. Yeah, well, they, they have this like mentality of just like, I remember those days. Like that's the kind of vibe I got mm -hmm. off of them, which is really funny. Oh, absolutely. There are no voice acting notes for this episode. Everyone is a reoccurring character, but I like that they're reusing the same male and female like guard voices for this whole episode. Like it just kind of adds that continuity to it. Yeah, I noticed that they are basically the only two guards that we see in all of the major scenes in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that consistency too. Yeah, the only other one we see, which we haven't met yet, is the guard in charge of all the doors. And I think that's about it in terms mm -hmm. of guards that get distinct voices. Yep. Zuko is thrown into an interrogation room. I didn't do anything wrong, he shouts at the guards, and a voice responds from within the room. Come on, Zuko, we all know that's a lie. The owner of the voice steps out of the shadows of the corner, and we see it's May. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. How did you get? Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's yep. right. It's a very quick scene. But again, like you were saying, this is kind of an a continuation of an existing story. We already have our voice acting credits and we're basically seeing a lot of the characters come together into this one location. Yeah. So the fact that May shows up, yes, it's a surprise, but it's also a way to bring our major players from season three or book three back into the story. And that's what I like about this series a lot. If they're not introducing new characters to us, 
they're showing us characters we already know in new ways, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Like the fact that May and Zuko broke up, but May still cares enough to come see him in a supermax in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) good old Uncle Warden helped out with that because he probably thought it was going to be... I don't know, maybe less of a positive experience for Zuko. So anything to really just break his prisoners. I'm sure he factored that into his punishment plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Back in Chitsang's interrogation room, the prisoner is being prepped for questioning by being held upside down in his chair. He's held in place with leather straps, so Chitsang has no choice but to weather the blood rushing to his head. The warden enters and they put him right side up on the ground. Have you had enough time to think about what I asked? The warden says. Yes, Chitsang replies. You're right. There was another person involved in the escape plan. It's a guy who's disguised like a prison guard. Only he's not a prison guard. He's the mastermind. He came up with a plan. The warden smiles sinisterly and pats Chitsang on the head before leaving. I like this is a very subtle animation thing, let's call it. I like that Chitsang's face is really red when he's hung upside down. And then it Mm -hmm. kind of goes, it fades eventually back to a normal color when he's right side up. I thought that was really cool. Also, Chitsang, say it ain't so, pal. I know. He folded like a house of cards yeah. so fast. So fast. Joe Pesci would be so upset with him for being such a stool pigeon. That was a really deep <laughs> cut for moviegoers. But you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the same time, he doesn't have loyalty to Team Avatar or even Zuko or Sokka. Yeah. So the fact that he told on them... He's kind of in it for himself. He's there to self-preservation, all of that. Yeah, that's an excellent point. We keep on watching all these characters interact with the world from the perspective of Team Avatar. Are the good guys the greater good? Like, how could you go against them? But Chit Sang has led a very, well, fairly solitary life. Like, he's got his bud and his girl, and that's it. So he's looking out for him Mm -hmm. and his friends. Although I will mention, <laughs> although I will mention that Chitsang seems to have conveniently forgot about his best friend and his girl in this episode. Yeah, I know. It was really surprising. And I know we're kind of going out of order here, but it was surprising to see them get to the top with the gondola and mm-hmm. then be like, wait a second, where's his girlfriend? Where's his best friend? Did he leave them behind in the prison? I have a headcanon. <gasps> I can't wait to hear it. Let's talk about it when we get there. Yeah, yeah. Zuko and May continue their tense reunion in the other room. May tells him she knew he was at Boiling Rock because the warden is her uncle. The truth is, she says, I guess I don't know you. All I get is a letter. You could have at least looked me in the eye when you ripped out my heart. When Zuko tries to say he didn't mean to hurt her, she interrupts him by reading the letter. Dear May, I'm sorry that you have to find out this way, but I'm leaving. Zuko stops her, saying this wasn't about her. It was about the Fire Nation. May sarcastically thanks him, saying that makes it all better. She throws his letter at his head. Zuko stands up and tries again, telling her that he never wanted to hurt her, but he has to do this to save his country. Save it? You're betraying your country, May tells him. Zuko replies, that's not how I see it. From a certain point of view, May, you are betraying the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets really interesting because I've always really liked May's and Zuko's relationship. But the fact that even as grumpy as May is, even as like disengaged she is from palace life or Fire Nation culture, in this scene, she still shows that she's loyal to her nation. She's loyal to her country. 
And it's almost interesting to see that put into stark contrast between Zuko, who wants to defeat his father Mm -hmm. and save the world. And Mei, who's like, what are you talking about? You're a Fire Nation citizen. You're betraying your country by doing this. I don't know if I read it that way. I read this as... Well, think of this. Chew on this a little bit, listeners, while while I go into my little headcanon here. We already have seen... Tylee and May start to like think that maybe Azula isn't altogether a great person that, you know, maybe they should deviate a little bit. And we've only seen this through like glances at each other in the background in book two. Right. True. Yep. So that thread is kind of unraveling. I think that this is kind of May like testing the waters almost being like, well, you're betraying your country here. You're not saving it. And when Zuko replies with a, that's not how I see it. I think for me, this is when things start to click pretty quickly for me. Mm. Where it's, it's, she's not a, you're portraying your country, a could you, you're a traitor. It's more of a just like, she's saying this because she's conditioned to say this, as is everyone in the Fire Nation. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But she doesn't full heartedly agree with it now because of the events that she's lived through, because she's so close to Azula. She sees the cracks in the perfection, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with Azula's hair. <laughs> Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. That's also how I saw it. The fact that she's just repeating the things that she's been taught through Fire Nation schooling yeah. to just her position as one of the families of the court. Yep. I don't know if court's the right word there, but yeah, they're yeah. like in the inner circle. Yeah, sure. I think she's just saying what she's always been taught to say, what she's always been taught to believe. And I think it's through her relationship with Zuko and her feelings for him that all of those beliefs and assumptions start getting dispelled. Yes. And I don't think it was, it might not have even been an option for May to deviate from the course, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now that she sees Zuko starting to become a traitor, she's like, wait, this is an option. And it's not like the horrible option that I was led to believe it would be. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Sokka goes to Suki's cell to update her on the plan that he and his father came up with together. We're going to commandeer the gondola and we're going to take a hostage with us. They won't cut the lines, he says. When Suki tells him that they'll never make it to the gondola past all the guards, Sokka says his father thought of that too. They'll need a distraction in order for the plan to work. They're going to start a prison riot. Okay, let's say by some miracle, this all works and we make it to the gondola. The warden will still just cut the lines even if we have a captive. Sokka grins. Not if the warden is the captive. He tells her that he'll find her before the riot and slips out of the cell. Just as he's walking away, two guards approach him and tell him the warden wants to see him. Uh, the two guards from before, by the way. Yeah. Our dynamic duo here. Love them. Who may or may not <laughs> have had some sort of romantic link in the past. That's right, because of the scene in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Trust me, kid, yep. you don't yep. want to date the woman here. And then something is thrown promptly at his face. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm giving away a secret podcast if anyone ever picks that. I will stop. <laughs> Sokka is led to the roof of the guard tower and joins a line of other guards. The warden addresses them, saying, One of you is an imposter who thought he can fool me, but now that person is going to be in a lot of trouble. Chitsang is brought forward in order to name the imposter. Sokka is shaking in his boots, convinced that the prisoner will name him and ruin their whole plan. But Chitsang points to another guard, the one who originally threw him in the cooler. That's him, warden. He's the imposter. The man is shocked to hear this and shouts that Chitsang is lying as he's dragged away. Later, in an interrogation room, the warden puts the pieces together, claiming that throwing Chitsang in the cooler was all part of the guard's plan. 
Their interrogation is interrupted, however, by Princess Azula. She and Tai Lee enter the room and are introduced to the guard in the chair as a member of a recent and feeble escape attempt. Azula takes one look at him and tells the warden he's not one of them. Stunned, the warden asks her how she knows. Azula smiles on her way out because I'm a people person. I love that moment. The people person one? Yeah, the people person line. That that seems like a very Azula fan kind of deal. Uh-huh. You know, like, <laughs> like, all right, what can she say that would make Azula fans love her even more? Just like confidently, I know because I know I'm Azula. Mm-hmm. Don't question me again. Peasant. Yep. Yep. Love it. I love that Chit Sang had this big plan all along. Oh my God. Big plays. It was so good. Too bad. Like he's going up against Azula who will read right through it without even hesitating. Needing to not think. Even trying. Not even trying. Yep. Absolutely. But big play right there. I love it. And that made me kind of like feel justified in really liking Chit Sang because, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, it was uh, I know who it is. It was a mastermind and he is dressed as one of your guards. And I was like, no, buddy, you were supposed to help. <laughs> yep. And he kind of did. He tried. He really tried. And also get revenge. So, yep. And also really get good. revenge. Yeah. So Wonderful. good. So good. I really, really like Chit Sang. I hope we get more. I don't think we do, but I really want yeah, more. I don't think we do either. Yeah. I really do want more. Avatar Studios, more Chit Sang and Hakoda. Thank you. <laughs> Sokka goes to the surveillance room overlooking all the cells and tells the guard there that the warden has given orders to let all the prisoners out into the yard. When the guard points out that they're in a lockdown, Sokka applies pressure by saying he's sure the warden will be glad to hear about the guard undermining his authority. The guard stops him, admitting that he is just a little confused. And Sokka aligns with them, saying, hey, I'm confused too. But the warden's in a bad mood and irrational. So if you ask me, it's best not to question it and just do what he says. The guard agrees and opens all the doors by pulling the levers on the control panels. The prisoners exit their cells and head for the yard. I kind of like that this guard that's in control of all the doors kind of looks like Sokka. He's got like the same build. Yeah, he does. It's very, so the whole time that Sokka is disguised, I'm like, does anyone not notice that this is a 16-year-old kid just walking around pretending to be a guard? Mm -hmm. But no, because clearly there are people who have the same frame as him walking around and are in control of very important things. So I guess they Mm kind of just take from all age groups for this prison. Yeah, they must. It it might be like a military thing where you can draft in at a certain age. Yeah, And maybe it's lower, younger for certain positions or certain jobs. Or maybe they just think he's an intern. The intern. Or he's kid. an intern. He's an intern. Intern <laughs> directly to the warden. No one question him. Yep. Yep. The warden's intern who was given a, a big responsibility. Yeah. Yep. Man in the levers. Yeah. I also really enjoy a, a little bit of an aside the um, thinking on his feet that Sokka's doing on, in this moment. Yes. Just really fast talking. If you watch the animations, it's actually very interesting. Because he does a lot of like quick movements, turns and stuff. So while he raises his visor, he only ever really gives the guard a good couple of glances before he gets into the guard's head and the guard's not thinking about his face anymore. Yeah, so he, yep. he rolls up, pulls up the visor, looks at him, turns away, says his line about like, oh yeah, sure, make the warden angry. See how that works out for you. And then when the guard's like, oh my God, then he turns around to mm-hmm. reveal his face, but the guard doesn't care about his face anymore. So it's like very strategic what he does there, which is really cool. What a small detail, but yeah. you're right. I noticed too that Sokka's energy and just his his cunning yeah. is 
really on point this episode. Um, he Absolutely. does the visor thing in Suki's cell also, when he's peering through the slot in the door. Yep. He's flipping his visor up and down. Yep, yep. Yeah, I know. He's, he's really on it in these two episodes. And I'm also impressed with the way that he and Zuko were able to work together yeah. before Zuko gets, uh, you know, taken and imprisoned. But yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is just kind of like Sokka's growth from becoming like planning most of the things all the time to being able to think on his feet, which is going to help them in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sokka, Suki and Hakoda meet up in the yard and try to figure out how to start a prison riot. The next part of their plan. Hakoda approaches the biggest prisoner around and pushes him, expecting the prisoner to fight back. But the man turns to him with big hurt eyes and asks why he was pushed. It hurt his feelings. Aren't you mad at me? Hakoda asks. Uh, well, normally I would be, but I've been learning to control my anger. The system is working for this guy, clearly. It's obviously working. <laughs> wow, they're actually rehabilitating prisoners. Imagine. Imagine the Fire Nation of all nations doing that. <laughs> wow. Yep. At that moment, Chitsang puts a hand on Sokka's shoulder and tells him he's lucky he didn't rat him out. But that generosity comes with a price. Chitsang tells Sokka he knows he's planning another escape attempt and he wants in. Actually, we're trying to escape right now, but we need a riot. You wouldn't happen to know how to start one, would you? Chitsang smiles and walks over to another prisoner. He picks him up and hoists him up and down in the air, shouting to the other prisoners, Hey, riot! <laughs> Chaos immediately ensues. Impressive, Hakoda says. Ask and ye shall receive. That's all you had to do. Yep. Not to punch anyone. Hakoda, come on. It's a nice little detail too. Yeah. Just how that's all it takes. And it's funny. I know this is like a, an animation decision, but like Chit Singh does that and immediately you see fire blasts yeah. erupting into the air as the prisoners are just like, heck yeah, let's yeah. do it. Riot. I, I like the, um, and this might just be like the dad in me seeing this and it might not actually be there, but I like that the lesson here in this moment is if you want something, don't throw a temper tantrum. Just ask for it and maybe mm -hmm. you'll get it. Like that's kind of what I read there. Not that like my baby is old enough to be throwing temper tantrums for things she wants yet. At least she hasn't so far, knock on wood. But that's kind of what I'm reading is that that little like hidden like thing for someone to learn later on. Just you want it, ask for it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Up on one of the guard tower walkways, the warden sees the prisoners in the yard and shouts, who let these prisoners into the yard? This was supposed to be a lockdown. The operations guard, or intern, as we have headcanoned, yes. overhears this and nervously tiptoes away. I love this guy so much. <laughs> He's like, squeak, squeak. <laughs> the animation on him leaving his exit yep. was perfect. I laughed. I think I watched the episode three times, maybe four. I laughed every time. Yep. Every time. It's like a sideways scoot down yeah. the wall around the corner. It's, and he's not even near the warden in that scene. But he like, he actually brings more attention to himself by exiting uh -huh. than if he just stood there. <laughs> yep. Yep. So good. Word of the riot spreads throughout the prison and another guard comes to find May in Zuko's interrogation room. He tells her that he's received orders from her uncle to protect her. And both she and Zuko laugh at this. Believe me, she doesn't need your protection, Suko tells the guard. When the guard insists, saying he's under direct orders from her uncle to make sure nothing happens, Suko takes his moment. He firebends at the guard's feet, causing him to leap in front of May. Zuko dashes to the door and closes it behind him. He and May stare at each other through the slot, May's eyes shining with angry tears. Zuko gazes at her a moment longer in regret, then runs to join the others in the yard. So moody. What a moody this breakup. This is also such a good scene. Oh, It's great, but it's just like, he looks at her 
and then can't bear to stare at her any longer and then leaves and i'm like okay pal mr dramatic over here it's just they are funny. teenagers yeah like it's very on topic for teenage angst and emotions it's just i can't take this goodbye as seriously as it's meant to because in my mind they are the over moody over dramatic teenagers so every little <laughs> thing they do is just over dramatic and it's it's just kind of funny to me although it is like if it is very heartfelt and like he doesn't want to leave her and they're showing that at its core but in my mm-hmm. mind i just hear lincoln park during this scene with his exit. <laughs> you always say that. <laughs> always. I'm, I'm bought in. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> with the group assembled in the yard, Sokka tells them the next step is to grab the warden and get to the gondolas. When Zuko asks how they're supposed to do that, Sokka admits he doesn't know. Zuko groans. I thought you thought this through. Sokka flails saying, I thought you told me it's okay not to think everything through. Maybe not everything, but this is kind of important. Chitsang interrupts them, saying he thinks Sokka's girlfriend is taking care of it. They all turn to see Suki dashing across the yard. She leaps onto the back of a prisoner and then runs across the yard on the prisoner's heads. When she reaches the guard tower, she runs up the wall and arcs into a backflip, but her feet catch the walkway railing and she swings herself up onto it. She knocks out the guard there and without breaking speed, rushes two more who run at her, getting past them easily. Using the guardrail, she leaps onto the wall once more and climbs up to the next walkway where the warden stands. She disarms him with one move, holding her fist in front of his face. You wouldn't dare, he says. She spins him around and ties his hands together with a strip of cloth, then slips his headband down onto his face as an impromptu gag. Sorry, warden, you're my prisoner now. I get tired watching this scene. Oh my God, I know. It's exhausting. (laughs) she's so badass but i'm just like how do you have this energy i'm so old how do you have this energy young kid young child i don't understand i have the same reaction it's it's a lot of effort and the fact that it's ninja-esque where she's barely running on across the crowd on their heads and she can run up a wall and do all these crazy acrobatics it is very tiring to watch i'm also an office fan so whenever parkour I watched this part. That's exactly what I hear. Yep. (laughs) Parkour. Parkour. (laughs) Another funny detail about this scene is once she's captured the warden, the rest of the group runs up to her and they're all panting and just out of breath. And she's completely fine. Yeah. No big deal. Whatever. I do do this on Tuesdays. This is my Tuesday routine, Mm -hmm. man. And then there's the line where Hakoda is like, that's some girl. And Sokka's all proud and smiling. He's like, tell me about it. Yeah. It's because they're meant to be together. Although I don't appreciate, I didn't say this in the last episode, but I'll say it now. I don't appreciate that he refers to UA as his first girlfriend when they only like hung out twice. (laughs) I know. Just saying. Again, I'm going to pull the teenager card and say, you know, relationships are based on the emotions. Emotion and perception. Uh Perception. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But still, Suki is clearly his first girlfriend. (laughs) Suki is clearly his first serious girlfriend. Oh, yeah. There we go. That's the better way to put it. First serious girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That is such a teenager thing, too. (laughs) That might be my girlfriend, (laughs) but this is my serious girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Sokka and Yue liked each other, but Sokka like likes Suki. Yeah. (laughs) The group races to the gondola, Chitsang holding the warden over his shoulder. When they encounter firebending guards, Zuko steps forward to dissipate their fire blasts. The group reveals they have the warden and the guards let them pass. They load into the gondola and Zuko sets it in motion by pulling the lever. But instead of joining them, he takes the time to break the lever so the guards can't turn the gondola around. 
He barely makes it onto the gondola before it's too far away, but Sokka's outstretched arm grabs him and hauls him aboard. The group has a moment of victory until Hakoda says, wait, who's that? They look back to the platform to see Azula and Tai Lee standing there. Zuko replies, that's a problem. How does Zuko jump that far? He doesn't use the propel fire bending thing. He just leaps with the power of Linkin Park. He makes it (laughs) somehow. That must be what it is because physics would dictate that that would not work. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my headcanon, when he first did it, I was like, okay, he like did the fire bending thing that like propelled him. Right. But mm-hmm. we see Azula doing it and it's granted it wouldn't be as large of a flame as Azula, but it would be still kind of like visible from when he leaves the ledge and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same thing with Ty Lee. She does leaps that shouldn't be humanly possible, but you know. Yeah, but she was in the circus. So that's how I had to Doesn't mean she way. can make superhuman leaps across like 20 feet. Then what's even the point of being in a circus, really? <laughs> What's the use of all those circus skills that she'd built? Uh-huh. Yeah. If you can't just make impossible leaps. Yeah, I guess you're right. I, never, I think I just always thought of like Tylee's being more believable because of all the acrobatics, like all the extra movements she does. So it just feels more believable than a simple leap that just keeps on going. Yeah. He jumps up and then he keeps going up and then up yep. and then he lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. This is also the point where I noticed that Chitsang didn't bring his girlfriend because they are in the gondola. They are leaving the prison. Mm-hmm. And I guess they broke up. But what's your headcanon? Let's hear it. So there's two possible ways you can kind of think about this. I'm going to get the more gruesome one out of the way. And it's that they died. Ah, uh, yeah. With how attached he is to his friend and his girlfriend. The only thing that makes sense is that they were tortured to death or that maybe they didn't make it out of the cooler. Mm-hmm. They were boiled. They were boiled. The yeah. Or they tried to swim for it and they didn't. Something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. The other one, which is a little less gruesome, but still kind of a bit of a downer, is that maybe when they got caught, the friend and the girlfriend realized that they really had feelings for each <gasps> other. Leaving Chit oh, Sang no. all alone. Oh no, yeah. poor Chit Sang. Mine is the second one. I don't like the first one. It's, I it's, like that it's one too. Much. The first one's too sad for me. Uh, this the second one definitely feels a little more Avatar-y, a little more suited for this world. So uh, that's what I'm mm-hmm. going with. And it doesn't bum me out all the time thinking about it. Yeah, and Chit Sang's the type of character who wouldn't ever tell anyone. Yeah. He's not going to bring it up. Yeah. I don't think he's the type to have a grudge either. So I think he's just kind of like, whatever, man, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. And then he mm-hmm. goes back to Sokka and Hakoda and, and Zuko being like, I know you guys are planning something else. And they go, yeah, we are. And he's like, sweet. And then he gets out of there. <laughs> That's my ticket out of here. Yeah. Yep. As Ty Lee leaps onto the gondola building, Azula grabs a pair of handcuffs from a guard. She launches herself into the air with firebending and clasps one side of the cuffs around the cable wire. Then, using firebending to propel herself, she begins to slide up the cable towards the gondola. Above her, Tai Lee nimbly runs along another cable wire. In the gondola, Suki watches their approach with a determined expression. This is a rematch I've been waiting for, she says. Me too, Zuko agrees. He, Suki, and Sokka climb onto the roof of the gondola to meet the princess and the acrobat. Sokka is just pointless in the next fight. I don't know why he even showed up, to be honest. (laughs) I know we haven't quite gotten there, but I had the same reaction where I was like, did he and Zuko talk about this strategy that they're doing where he's like hiding behind Zuko and then like 
pokes his sword out every once in a while. Like, it seems kind of weird. Well, it's also like, the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because when we watch the scene and, you know, Zuko gets ready for battle, Suki assumes her fighting position and then Sokka unsheaths his sword. And I'm just like, whoa. (laughs) What's she going to do with that, pal? That's the dude's sister. You're going to slap. This is a Nickelodeon. I know you you knew you're not going to stab or slash anyone. What are you going to do here? (laughs) What's what's the point? And also seemed kind of, it just seemed overkill to me, to be honest with you. It felt kind of useless to me because she has firebending and she could just like dodge and dodge and then attack him. Yeah, but like I got a weird feeling in my stomach when he unsheathed his sword. And I was like, he's not gonna do anything useful with that. I don't know why they're making this whole big deal. Because they even had the sound and the sound was mixed a little high. So it was a little like higher volume mm. than maybe it should have been to make more, maybe accentuate him taking out his sword a little bit more. But it, it makes me kind of wonder, like, can Sokka fight without his sword? Because he was trained very specifically on sword fighting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That was just something that I thought of. I was like, maybe he just can't fight without a sword. So he needs to take it out. Yeah. I mean, he he kind of is the weapons guy. If yep. it's not his club, it's his boomerang. If it's not That's his true. boomerang, it's, it's a sword. sword. Yeah. So it's almost like, okay, battle time. Well, all the able-bodied kids got to get up on the gondola and fight. What Sokka have? A sword. Well, I, I guess I guess that's <laughs> It's like an equation too. that doesn't quite make out. Yeah. But it also has to make sense because he has nothing else to fight with. And he's also not going to sit inside yeah. with the warden. Yeah. And I guess like, to be fair, this is Azula who's been tormenting them for quite some time with Tai Lee, who is super dangerous because she's able to just literally make you paralyzed, make you mm-hmm. unable to fight or defend yourself. So... I guess maybe it's not now that I'm talking it out as crazy of a thing for him to take out his sword. I just like no one else is using a weapon. <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weird non-bender moment. Yeah. 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 Zuko and Azula square off on one side of the roof while Suki and Tai Lee fight hand to hand on the other. While Zuko deflects and attacks Azula with firebending, Sokka supports him with his sword. On the platform below, the guards spy the warden inside the gondola. The rest of the group don't notice as the warden wriggles out of his bindings. He leans out of the window and shouts to the guards to cut the cable. The guards hesitate at first, knowing that the warden wouldn't survive the fall, but then go through with it when one points out that he knows the risk. They jam a piece of metal into the gears and the gondola stops. This was a brilliant callback to the last episode where the warden says, I would rather boil alive than my reputation be sullied. Right. And then he calls out, he goes, cut the cables. And they're like, that's going to kill him. And that one guard goes, oh, he knows. Yep. Wow. I didn't think he'd mean it. Brilliant callback. Wow. It's just like, talk about adding in like this crazy detail for a character only through dialogue and not have it be reinforced. So it's like a kind of blink and you'll miss it kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. And I like that this is a villain with conviction. Yeah. Just well he, done. He will back up his words. Yeah. Regardless of what they are about punishing prisoners that arrive at the prison or being so dedicated to maintaining his streak that he would rather boil alive than let someone escape. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So, Warden, you get props. You're not my favorite person in the prison. That will still be Chit Sang in terms of non Avatar adjacent <laughs> members, but still, like, well done with the warden. We don't even have a name for the warden. He's just always the warden, or as I like to mm-hmm. call him, Uncle Warden. <laughs> but, like, 
still, we get this deep detail of he would rather die than do a bad job. Yeah. Another small callback is the fact that during this fight on the roof, when Zuko and Azula are facing each other, Zuko actually uses a couple of the moves from the Dancing Dragon to block her fire blasts. Yes, I saw that. That's so cool. Yeah. So like it's it's cool to see it go from a dance that you can do in a circle in a room to actually being put into practice in a fight. Yeah. It was um, one of those moments where I feel like Zuko was like, if only Katara could see me now and not laugh at my move that's called the Dancing Dragon. (laughs) Yep. It's not just a dance. Yeah. The fighting is interrupted on the gondola's roof when it suddenly tips to the side. Sokka almost tumbles off of it, but is grabbed by Zuko at the last second. Tai Lee calls to Azula that they're cutting the line down below, and Azula responds, then it's time to leave. She launches herself into the air with firebending and lands on the roof of another gondola moving in the other direction. Tai Lee leaps after her and they leave their enemies behind. Oh, real quick too. This is Mm -hmm. the only time that we see Tai Lee fight and she is unsuccessful at cheap locking her opponents. Yeah, because Suki is something else and Mm -hmm. she was able to hold her own against the cheap locker. Yeah, I don't think Tylee was quite ready for that. Going up against someone who's actually trained to fight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like the Kyoshi Warriors who we've learned are trained in a couple different things, including hand-to-hand combat that has, it's more than just blocking and exchanging blows. It's like actually skilled. Yes. Zuko returns to the interior of the gondola and warns Hakoda that the line is about to be cut. Hakoda responds, I hope this thing floats. On the platform below, the guards work on the cable with a huge handsaw until a throwing knife comes zipping through the air to pin one of them to a wall. The guards look up in shock to find May. When one of them asks, what are you doing? She responds, saving the jerk who dumped me. (laughs) What a line. I love them. So here's the thing, too. She could have lied and said something like, I'm saving my uncle, which would have been completely fine, by the way. Right. But she chose not to. So this is a a very important decision in her life where she has thought about what Zuko said in the cell about him not being the traitor, but that maybe everyone else in the Fire Nation is the traitor, where he deems his actions Mm -hmm. to be that of someone who's trying to save his home versus what everyone else perceives it. So she's kind of got that floating around in her head. So she shows up and not only does she still have feelings for Zuko, but now she's like, well, I know Azula's not a nice person. So it's kind of like a stormtrooper waking up and being like, have we been the bad guys this whole time? (laughs) That's a great example. Yeah. (laughs) So she kind of chooses her destiny in this moment and is like, okay, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help Team Avatar. I'm going to go on the side of what I know now to be the good guys. Mm -hmm. Although in the moment, it's all for Zuko. But I think it's it's almost like the gateway decision. Yeah. She chooses to save Zuko and because of that is now on the other side of the line. I like to think it's more than just saving Zuko. I think it's part of it. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's more to that. I think it's more of just like she knows Azula's wrong. Okay. Yeah. Azula, maybe. I think the greater country, the Fire Nation. I think all that stuff is maybe still simmering in the back of her mind. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think right now, yeah. you're right. In her brain, it's... As simple as this is to say, Zuko good, Azula bad. <laughs> yep, I think so. Yeah. The guards attack her, but she dodges their fire blasts and uses their momentum against them to throw them to the ground and into each other. All the while, she attacks with her throwing knives. When the guards are incapacitated, she kicks the metal from the gear and the gondola continues up the line. 
Team Avatar peer out the window to see what's happening and find it's May helping them. Azula also sees this and is furious. The gondola finally reaches the top of the line and the group gets off, Chitsang throwing the newly restrained warden back inside. Hakoda looks at him. Your record is officially broken, he says, and runs off with the rest of the group. When Zuko hangs back, Sokka asks what he's doing. My sister is here, he says. Yeah, Sokka replies, and she's probably right behind us, so let's not stop. What I mean is she must have come here somehow. Zuko runs to the edge of a hill with a steep drop and points at a large airship moored by the shore. There, that's our way out of here. Back at the prison, May has been captured and restrained by two guards. Azula commands they leave them alone and the princess faces her traitorous friend. A worried Tai Lee watches nearby. I never expected this from you, Azula says. The thing I don't understand is why? Why would you do it? You know the consequences. May levels her gaze at the princess and says, I guess you just don't know people as well as you think you do. You miscalculated. I love Zuko more than I fear you. This infuriates Azula who shouts at May that no, she's miscalculated. May should have feared her more. She brings her arms up into position and is about to firebend at May when Tai Lee jumps forward to jab her arms, blocking Azula's chi and rendering her powerless. Tai Lee rushes over to her friend and urges her to hurry. But before they can leave, they're surrounded by guards. The guards ask what they should do with the girls and Azula tells them to put them somewhere she'll never have to see their faces again and let them rot. (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. The great betrayal. Oh man, this was something that we've been waiting for since book two. For so long. So oh my long. gosh. It was, was one of those things too, where you watch Ty Lee and she struggles for maybe a moment, but she realizes what I think May realizes, which is that Zuko good, Azula bad, or at the minimum, <laughs> yeah. Azula bad. And again, yep. like... It's almost like rebellion is contagious uh-huh. if you think about it. So Zuko comes to the realization and he defects, talks to May. May realizes that it's an option, does the same thing. And now Ty Lee realizes this is an option and does the same thing. It's very, yeah. very cool to see this like ripple effect almost. This is probably a terrible example, but it's kind of like the concept of you see someone dancing alone and you think they're weird. Yeah. As soon as someone joins them, all of a sudden it's a group and it's an activity that you're not a part of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Azula loses all of her friends. That's what we should have named this one. Or as we like to call it, Azula has no friends. Oh no. Oh man. Another small animation detail is just the fact that Ty Lee looks nervous yeah. all throughout this episode. Yeah. And I think it's also one of the first times where it's just her and Azula. May isn't with them. So it's almost kind of weird and off-putting to see just Azula and Ty Lee. And so I think that Ty Lee is kind of nervous in that situation, but then also starting to think things through and realize that maybe Azula isn't the person that she thought she was. Maybe she isn't good. And so I just like the unspoken details that lead up to reveals like this because they feel fully supported. Yeah, for sure. Sokka, Zuko, and company arrive safely at the Western Air Temple and are greeted by a confused Katara. She asks what happened to the war balloon and Zuko tells her it got destroyed. Sounds like a crazy fishing trip, Aang says. When Toph asks if they at least got some good meat, Sokka smiles. I did. The best meat of all. The meat of friendship and fatherhood. Suki, Hakoda, and Chitsang disembark and Katara rushes into her father's arms. When Katara asks what's going on and where they really went, Sokka finally replies that they went to a Fire Nation prison. Not caring about any more details, Katara leans into her father and Hakoda puts his arms around both her and Sokka. The end. But seriously, is, is there no meat? 
Yeah. Top is like, okay, but really, did you bring home meat? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what a great two-part episode right there. Really cool. It really is. It's putting our heroes into a different situation, forcing them to work together in new ways. And it's just really gratifying to see them get out of it safely, retrieve Hakoda, and then also see the fallout and the start of a decline of Azula. Yeah, yeah, for real. Who is your MVP, Greg? Uh, it's going to surprise no one that my MVP continues to be Chit Sang. Oh my God, really? They would not <laughs> have left that prison. They would not have been able to start that riot without Chit Sang. Eh, yeah, could be. Maybe not in time. I mean, he got it done very efficiently. Very efficiently. He and he helped carry the warden. Good old Uncle Warden. Ooh, that's true. I think that would have been a two-man job without Chit Sang, because he is quite a large individual. And if that's a two-man job, although he didn't really do much on the gondola once they got there, because he kind of let the warden slip and yell to cut the line. But he did a lot for a character that we will never see again. Mm-hmm. And they kind of make it seem like he's going to join Team After. He goes, hey, I'm the new guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that ending. <laughs> Um, you know what? I'm going to give it to Chit Sang too, yeah. just because I feel for him. You know, buddy yeah. lost his girlfriend, yeah. his best friend. Potentially. Or they're boiled alive. We're <laughs> <laughs> boiled alive. <laughs> Help Team Avatar escape. Yeah. And another reason I, I picked Chit Sang is because, yes, I'm jumping on the bandwagon with you, but also the rest of the characters really kind of pulled their own weight they did. equally. Yeah. Everyone worked together really well. I think Sokka is a great runner up because he was the one who played messenger and yeah. communicated the plan out to That's everyone true. and made sure they were meeting at the right times. But we're never going to see Chit Singh again. So let's give him MVP. Yeah. Now that I got you on the bandwagon, I'm going to change my answer and say May. <laughs> no. Teach you to follow me. <laughs> uh, I think we might have a revolution on our hands of our own if we don't say May for this episode because she betrayed her best friend, her longest friend, and her entire country as far as her best friend is concerned, who is, by the way, the scariest person or second scariest person in the whole Fire Nation. So it mm. took a lot of guts for her to stand up and start going on the right path, so to speak. And that action caused Ty Lee to do the same thing. So I feel mm. like if we didn't mention Ty Lee or May for MVP, uh, we would lose everyone, all of our new friends. So <laughs> we would lose our listeners. All right. Well, counterpoint, uh-huh. counter betrayal. Uh-huh. I think Suki also earns MVP in this episode because okay. who races across the heads of the prisoners? Who That's goes true. up the wall? That's true. Who takes out the warden and captures him? Whose action requires me to take a nap? After every what after every viewing. Uh-huh. Only uh-huh. the bestest, nicest, prettiest Kyoshi warrior ever. That's right. That's right. That would be Suki. Yep. All right. Yep. So I, I think this means that basically everyone is MVP in this episode. Everyone. All, all everyone. 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 <laughs> Except for Appa, because this is actually oh. here's 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 a little bit. Here's a little bit of fun fact for everyone. This is the only episode with no voice acting credit for D. Bradley Baker. He does not provide Incredible. any voices in this one episode. This is the only one in the whole series. It's amazing. Oh my God. Wow. It's also the only episode that we see only firebending. No That's other right. element. That's right. And it's also the last episode in which we see Azula May and Ty Lee together. Oof. So there we go. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, now that we've granted MVP to everyone in the series yep. or just this episode, what is your moral of the story? Oh, this is a big one. The moral of this episode. For me. I have a silly one. Yeah. If you want me to go first. Yeah, you go first. All right. You ready for this? Yes. Teamwork makes the dream work. 
If I had a noise, if I had a sound on my soundboard <laughs> that was crickets, I would be playing that right now. <laughs> That's basically what Sokka would say in this episode. Yeah. I'm just channeling Sokka here. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. I think when you watch the episode just as its own part instead of the whole, and you kind of look at all of the actions of everyone, I think that the moral is you just, if you have a feeling about something, you kind of have to go with it. You have to see where it takes you. I think that's the moral mm. because May kind of had that feeling about Azula and so did Ty Lee and they never really went with it until now. And I think that leads to some regret on their part. Maybe they did some yeah. things that they're not proud of all because they were told to, right? Chit sang kind of the same idea, potentially. He's not really a criminal, at least not a crazy one that we've seen. Like he's not murdering everyone, right? But he kind of has this like, I got to be out for myself mentality. And you can tell he has in his back of his mind this like, well, maybe I shouldn't be looking out for myself all the time. Like, look where that got me. And that's maybe what led him to call out that guard instead of Sokka. If he called out Sokka, he would have been sitting pretty. We saw that in uh, Suki alone. If you help Mm -hmm. out the warden, he helps you out. No problem. Like you get the better clothes, the better meals, like the better rooms, all of that. So it actually would have been in his best interest to name Sokka as the guard who is not a guard. But he goes with his intuition. He says, no, even if it's the intuition is this guy's going to get me out of here. He goes with Mm -hmm. that. So (laughs) yeah. So follow your gut. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. I love how we're chock full of MVPs and morals this episode. I know. Just pick one listener. Just pick one. (laughs) So many. (laughs) Pick a moral, any moral. Yeah. Well, that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. And remember, if you've listened to all the episodes, you've gone to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast. You've emailed avatar the podcast at gmail.com. Did I mention five star review on Apple podcasts in written or not? If you know what, if you just want to leave the five star just to show support and you don't want anything read on the show, you can do that too. I'm always saying if it's not written, I can't read it, but I can read your love. Through the five-star review count going up. (laughs) Oh. There we go. Yep. If you've done all that. Oh, and you've watched every single video that we have over on youtube.com slash avatar the podcast. I feel like it's been a while since we shouted out the YouTube, but it's still going strong. We still get the avatars up there after the fact. You can join me over at twitch.tv slash booster Greg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the last Friday of the month is Avatar on my channel now. And that starts at 7 p.m. So tweets go out about that to remind you all the time. But just as friendly update, Avatar has moved to my channel last Friday of every month, 7 p.m. Oh, yeah. And I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Basically, Booster Greg across the internet. Just yes. like if you want to follow me, I am on the internet as Acorn Bandit or Joey Sans Studio, which is attached to my enamel pins. Uh, two of which are tied to our Avatar podcast. So if you want to support us that way, you can also head over to joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com, or look up Joyson Studio on Etsy and get either our Toph pin designed by Booster Greg himself or our Appa pin, the best boy. Designed by you, Acorn Bandit. Designed by me. Coming up next time. A Tale of Two Mothers. And Forgiveness Earned. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast.
Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.